Hey guys, welcome to Two Feet from the Soapbox, a weekly conversation with us, Judith and Justin Sweeney, co-founders of the oil-based cosmetics company, Bubbles and Bombs. In this series, we explore the origin, purpose, and use of our oil-based cosmetics, and we record each episode right here in our production studio in New Brunswick, Canada. We also explore wellness beyond the bar, digging into our life behind the scenes as entrepreneurs, parents, and wellness practitioners with a history of mental health challenges. We're glad you're here, and we're definitely looking forward to another conversation. And uh, as we usually like to do, we're episode eight. Mm-hmm. We've gotten over that hump. I remember I read an article somewhere that most podcasts get to, I think, seven. I think seven was like the average number before people tap Yay, out. Yay, we made it. Yeah, yeah, we pushed hard. We got that far. So we're on uh, episode eight, but quick recap maybe on episode seven now. We're in the Genesis series, so it kind of follows a little bit of a storyline. But uh, yeah, where did we leave off maybe? In episode seven, we went over our journey towards opening our first boutique in Claire's home, Alberta, what that was like with mental health challenges, where we are today in relation to that, and the values that helped us build resilience over that time and continue to help us build resilience. And those three takeaways were patience and practice. So practice, practice, practice. Mm. And better each day. So 1% better leads to a better overall and opening up to self-awareness. Yeah. Yeah. I think the the practice piece was so meaningful for myself. I know in, in uh, kind of working through and recovering and then thriving within, you know, various mental health experiences, a lot of that came from taking the things that I had learned across years, right? And then really putting them into practice and recognizing that you're, you know, when sometimes you start something new, like, oh, I started yoga and there's this huge flare of love and, you know, you're so appreciative and and grateful for this new practice. And then, you know, sometimes you kind of settle in where either it becomes part of your routine or or maybe you kind of drop off and you don't have as much and then it's not perfect anymore and you don't see it the same way. and, and, And so then you kind of, you know, like our new year's resolutions right we're, we're making it to like january 27th and, and looking looking at something uh, beyond so i think the practice piece taking those pieces and put them into practice was so important and that's what a lot of this episode is about is really the practice that went into creating our product line but before we dive into that we did have a community question and mm. this one actually came from one of our staff and they asked what would you have done differently today? Yeah, and I appreciate that because I think it's great to be able to look back and say, oh, we've learned, right? We've reflection. learned some things. Reflection. And so, yeah, I would say for me, the important piece looking back or what I would change um, the most was talking to people. So what I mean by that is opening up and recognizing that I had an exceptionally large amount to learn uh, about the products, about the ingredients, which I could easily you know, start learning from you, but a lot about business practices as well. And, you know, it was really hard to go out and to, you know, share the idea, to talk about the products. I mean, a lot of times you, you feel like maybe you're a burden. And, you know, maybe why would somebody want to help or why would they want to listen to me or why would they want to hear about my little business or why would they? And so, you know, it was really a a few years before we recognized that most people that are working uh, in the business space who are entrepreneurial love 
that conversation. They love that opportunity to either provide a little piece of mentorship, but also to hear about new ideas and things that are that are coming, uh, uh, you know, coming online. And and so it was recognizing that you know the business community in general was really receptive to those and really supportive. And so I think that that's one of the things I would have recommended to myself because also that community can really help from a mental health perspective. I still struggle with that, the reaching out bit. It's hard. It's hard to put yourself in that vulnerable place, right? But I mean, if you were looking back and talking to yourself then, like what would you do differently, I suppose, if you had that opportunity? Two things. I would slow down. So you, I would tell myself, you don't need to stock the entire shop in a day. And I would outsource the things that I was not good at, that I did not have time to learn and focus in more on the things that I enjoyed doing and that benefited the business. So things that benefited that I enjoyed doing was formulating and production and things that I was not so good at were things like label design and, you know, those types of things and packaging. And we learned a lot along the way and we're very thankful to have the support networks and know who to go to now. But it's definitely been a lot of skid knees along the way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, it was it was that better each day attitude that really helped carry forward a lot of the time, right? Looking back, and especially once you get six months in, 12 months in, you can reflect and really see that progress. And I think it's it's so motivational to stay the course, mm. right? And I think that can be uh, really impactful. So now we're, uh, now we're this episode. Now we're getting in, into number eight. So can you tell me, you know, we've gone through and we've discussed, you know, what it was like building up to the store. Can you tell me about how your mental health was over those early months of business ownership because you were in there a lot more than I was. Yeah, I was, which was really yeah, kind of interesting because I don't think a lot of people, I mean, at the time I was growing my beard out, it was very lush, very thick, still very black. And I was big, I was a big guy. And I, I so I, you know, I, I wasn't really who you would expect to find when walking into a, a very aromatic, um, you know, natural goods store, right? And so I think that was um, that was fun. That was fun getting to know people and for people to to get to know us a little bit. I mean, the mental health piece steadily improved because. I mean, the business gave us a lot. It gave us a routine, right? So we had a, a set routine and, and all of a sudden we had a commitment to a purpose outside of ourselves. So we had a community that was showing up and that wasn't just showing up one time, but was coming back a few weeks later and then with a girlfriend and then with their children. And then we suddenly had a community to serve. And, you know, I think both of those pieces, the routine, you know, working with the aromatics, having a community to serve helped to really improve our mental health without, yeah, yeah, without us necessarily, you know, doing a, a, a lot of counseling or anything like that at that point in time. So I remember our mental health, you know, steadily improving as, as you know, we were getting a little bit more comfortable with shop ownership and certainly with product iteration and development. Like I think, you know, accounting, uh, marketing, uh, you know, so many things that, you know, were not 
great skill sets at that point in time. But there were some skill sets that were like, you know, exceptionally iterative, very skillful at, uh, you know, starting to create formulations. The aromatic blends were working really well. And so, you know, we were becoming recognized as helpers in this community very quickly. So when I was in the store, most of the time, you were nursing. Hmm. And so you were nursing and nursing in seniors care. And so you were getting to know community members um, through that platform and through that experience and, you know, giving their loved ones, you know, care in some of their later years. And so the community came to appreciate you there and came to appreciate myself in the store, seeing us as helpers and showed up big time with needs for their dry and sensitive skin. Yeah, the community really did help shape bubbles and bombs. And, you know, the support that we had when you open a store in a small town. Oh, it's it's news, right? It's a yeah. big thing. Like, uh, I mean, you know, communities of 5,000, uh, especially I think, you know, 2014, the creative wave is getting started and getting going. But you're, you weren't seeing the, the small town revival that maybe some of us are seeing now with a large number of, you know, cafes and lifestyle stores and natural, you know, bath and body stores and things like that popping up in communities um, all over the place. So the community was very responsive at that point in time and was showing up and they had needs. I mean, they had basic needs of, you know, they wanted to be able to bathe, to wash, to moisturize, to condition, exfoliate, find a healthy relationship with skin that had challenged them for quite a while. I mean, that was an arid climate. So dry skin was, you know, near epidemic. It yeah. was, you know, many people were, were experiencing excessively dry skin when they were coming into the store. And so we were able to meet that need almost by chance because it wasn't really that we initially set out just for dry and sensitive. I mean, really, it was, you know, catering to that for ourselves that really pushed us in that direction. And so it was having that quality right from the outset and and having a product philosophy that seemed to really help us align. And so the product philosophy is something that you really shaped. So, you know, the community reacting to that is really from you know, the the effort that you put into the the philosophy from the outset. And so maybe you can elaborate on how that philosophy has kind of built our foundation of quality in our products. The big difference, I think, that made people so receptive to our products was the fact that we formulated for ourselves and our sensitivities. And when you formulate for yourself as a small independent business instead of a large corporation who's trying to, you know, appeal to all skin types. When you focus on yourself and your needs, you are very particular about the ingredients that you use and the benefit that you expect to see. So I think that really shone through. And we did that by sourcing raw, natural ingredients like whole shea butter and beautiful cocoa butter that was rich and full of life and, you know, jojoba oil that just absorbed into your skin and glided over beautifully. And, the, you know, we would never use synthetic fragrances because you and I both had sensitivities to strong perfumes. 
and would often get headaches from those. So we only used essential oils and we tried to be realistic with how much we put in because I was working in a nursing home, like you said. So, you know, sense sensitivity, I was trying to be mm-hmm. wary of, although my coworkers could always tell when it was my shift because they could smell me through the whole building, whether I would put anything on or not. And they didn't mind. So I was very blessed that they were so accepting. And I wasn't working with anybody who had sensitivities to the aromas that I, I used in my life. And it it really came down to, you know, those basic, beautiful ingredients that were natural, that were kind to the skin, that were, there was no history of strong ir- irritation within the general population and with those with dry and sensitive skin in particular. And another thing is customer service of our wholesalers was something that was also really important to us. So we wanted to have a really good relationship with our wholesalers of these ingredients so that we could build trust there. And we knew the quality that went into their business because we pride ourselves on customer service. We want people, if we interact with them, we want them to feel like they're the only customer right? The only customer that matters is the one you're talking to right now. I think you've said in the past. And I I love that. That's why I handwrite all of the notes right now. Like it's, it's something that just, it fills the product with love, even though it's not part of the product. You capture it so well. And so people responded to that, right? And it gave an opportunity really to to continue to evolve the brand and and to you know adapt the product line through various iterations to become even a stronger product line for uh, the community because you know we were open we were transparent and they would come back again and again with us and and work with us almost uh, you know providing feedback and advice on okay like I love this but now I want to go here and so uh, maybe you can talk about because you're the one that worked really one on one with all lot of the the community members like how did that help inform the design process like what because really the formulas are I mean I've done a lot of the blending for the aromas but when it comes to the base formulas you're the formulator and you're the one that knows so you know what was that design process like we had a lot of people who would come in and say I'm having issues with X, Y, or Z. So Could you, like, what would be X, Y, or Z? Maybe they're having, you know, uh, they need something for after the bath because their joints are still achy or their muscles are still tender. So they needed something that was going to provide extra warmth. So we came out with our ancient warmth joint and muscle rub. Yeah. Or, you know, someone was having issues with their face and they wanted to have a really beautiful face cream. So we came out with our Timeless Beauty, which is done with this glorious rosehip that is just, it's one of my favorite ingredients because I find it so beneficial for helping to balance the complexion. So we were getting known for that and people were coming in with their skin issues and sensitivities. And, you know, there's only so many products that you and I use. We try to be minimalist with what we do use. So we weren't really sure what other people were using. We, we didn't know what other people expected to have in their bathroom. So, and we weren't parents yet either. So and we, we weren't parents really yet. So we really didn't fully understand the needs of a, a parent who was looking to care for dry and sensitive skin. Yeah, so that really helped shape the 
quantity of products that we had. The quality came down to the process of making it. And for the base formulas, what a formulator does is they can formulate in two ways. They can either find a base recipe, either from, let's say, a wholesaler, wholesalers of ingredients. So where you would get your shea butter, your olive oil, your jojoba oil, those ingredients the people who sell those often have base recipes for you to start out with. That mm. way you get used to playing with those ingredients and mixing and matching and finding out what's best for your skin type. So you can take a base recipe from that and then manipulate it to best suit your skincare needs. Mm -hmm. So that's one way that we would work. And that's one of my favorite ways to work is to take something that's basic or simple in its simplest form and tweak it and massage it so that it creates something beautiful and new and full of life. And the other way is reverse engineering. And that is actually a great story on how our apricot face scrub came to be. Um, so reverse engineering when it comes to formulas is taking a product and looking at the ingredients list. So you're taking a already on the shelf product, like for the apricot face scrub, we used a body polish. So taking a body polish and saying, how can I make this, but in a natural form with the ingredients that I have here. Mm -hmm. So we were working with a local spa who was looking for a natural alternative to some of the products that she used. And this body polish was, you know, I felt it, it was really nice. It had a little bit of graininess to it. So it helps remove dead skin cells and it helped to moisturize and leave the skin very nice and supple. So she asked us if we could recreate that, but in a natural form. So I started reformulating and the first iteration is usually a sloppy mess because you don't know ratios. You can kind of guess depending on, you know, where the ingredient is listed in sequence. So it's really that 1% better mentality when it comes to that type of formulating. Mm -hmm. And so I kept tweaking it and massaging it and taking ingredients out and putting ingredients in. And we finally came up with this body polish that was so decadent and beautiful. And it was filled with shea butter. So even though it was exfoliating, it left you feeling hydrated. So the dead skin cells were coming off and the new skin cells were really being, well, they were having a spa treatment. <laughs> so we did that. And it, it was so nice that I was like, we, I want this on my face. Like I, I, I want this in our, in our regular product line. So that was then, that then became my base recipe. And I then massaged that into something that was going to be suitable for the face. Nice. And I really love doing that as well. I, I just love formulating. I love playing with the ingredients. I love getting to know them better. I feel like it's kind of a date every time I get to, you know, play around with formulation. And it can be really frustrating. I'm not going to lie. There are definitely days where I've done like six iterations. They're all a sloppy mess. But luckily we have friends and families who don't mind the ones who don't come out as perfectly as I had intended. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, you know... It, that was a big part of it was having, you know, supportive people around who were willing to kind of go on that journey with you, right? And willing to say, okay, yeah, like I have this need, I need this product, let's work on it. Let's and sometimes it didn't work out. Sometimes they come back and be like, hey, Judith, this kind of sucked. Yeah. It did not work. <laughs> 
come on, <laughs> let's try it again. But that's the thing is they always said, let's try it again. Yeah. Right. And it's that type of relationship that we just so love because they were gentle with us and, you know, they weren't throwing the product back at the shop window or anything like that. Like they were very, just so kind and so loving and just, yeah, I, 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 I can't say enough how much I love the people of Claire's Home, Alberta. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, uh, yeah, the boutique in Claire's home and it was fantastic, fantastic support. Right. And we will include a link to 50% off for apricot face scrub in the show notes as a thank you to you guys. Yeah. And so even our product iteration now, new products, we're, we're creating new products. Now we have a a bevy of a large segment of people who now are willing to test behind the scenes and, and be part of the development process for us, which is amazing. We still rely on our community. We're checking in all the time. Somebody from our team is trying to respond to every single comment that comes in through social media, Facebook, Instagram, as well as ones that come in through email, right? So info at bubblesandbombs.ca. We love that feedback. We still thrive off it. It still really shapes where the brand is going today. You know, it's it, it's great when we find values aligned community members uh, who really want to, you know, treat themselves and treat their skin well, feel comfortable in their own skin for themselves and their families, but do it at a minimal cost to, you know, the environment and the ecosystems that we're going to be drawing ingredients from and and materials and packaging and and for disposal too. And so, um, you know, that community has been super, super, uh, you guys mean the world to us. We're on this path together and we, we, we love it. Yeah. And so we thought we would uh, reflect on two of the product requests that challenged us the most when it came to, you know, research, body chemistry, (laughs) trying to appropriately formulate. And so, Judith, what was the, the more challenging product formulation request that you uh, that you remember fielding in those early days. Children, cover your ears. Sex mud. The sex mud. Yeah. Yes. We were asked to create a mud-like paint or paint-like mud that was going to be used for a very sensual massage of three individuals who were looking to well enjoy one another's company so it was interesting because yeah. we, we were very early in our business life like we were within the first six weeks i remember that this this request had come in and so we had not really we were just starting to feel like do you make a shampoo yeah okay okay that's something we could think about didn't think sex mod was going to be on the uh the request list yeah but, but you know what we were so intrigued of course we took it on yeah and it was really it was because of that request that we got intimately familiar with dead sea mud yeah right that that was the whole you know the the research the time that we spent over those couple weeks like really trying to help and and create something for them that they were going to love and that was going to work well and was going to be safe for what they were doing and have the right use case it was like it all of these were just really they were great challenging practices and that was one of them i don't know if you've ever tried to formulate a massageable mud Yes, it, it's 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 difficult. It is, and, and they wanted it so that you could make designs too. So it had to be like it couldn't be too draggy, but couldn't be too sticky. And I remember having a lot of struggles with that. And they needed like, I think it was 
six kgs of it because they wanted to coat their entire bodies, right? Mm. And then also trying to inform them about the safety of how it shouldn't be, you know, mucous membranes and all that. Yeah, and around ears, eyes, yeah. nose, mouth, right? And, yeah. And uh, yeah, so what were some of the, you know, you could use ingredients to kind of extend the glide of the mud. You could, you know, kind of ease, you could whip the mud. So there was a lot of things that we, we realized that we could do there. But, but it, it made us exercise. more, yeah, and it made us more comfortable with, uh, with broader requests. Yes. And I think you have another one. Yeah. So the one that I remembered when we talked about this over the past week, I just, it was so great, you know, working in the store setting and, you know, being very open and having uh, people come in and really get to know one another over time. Like I, I was starting to be very open about my mental health experiences. So I was talking to a lot of the community members about that who were also having similar experiences. You know, the, it was great. It was very open. It was a lot of open dialogue. So I think people felt really safe in the shop. And that was always the intention was there was a zero judgment place where we're just looking to to ensure that you have the skincare needs, your skincare needs met. Right. Mm. And so this request was for an aromatic spray that would be applied to the uh, nether regions of a female, right? Muffin mist. Yeah, and so that was the name that it was given, was muffin mist. And I had never, so this was the request, could you make a muffin mist? I remember you calling me, actually. I was working, and I was on my break or something, and I remember you calling me and being like, can we make a muffin mist? What would I put in a muffin (laughs) mist? And so what happened, and this was the case, I mean, this happened a lot of times. Yeah. So what happened was there would, you know, you people want something. People yeah. have a need. And so one of the first things you do is you go online and you start looking. And a lot, I mean, DIY is exceptionally popular. DIY skincare is another space that's exceptionally popular. And so people are finding recipes and finding things that they, you know, wanted from an online source. And then they would come in with that recipe and they would say, hey, like, I could you make this or could you make something very much like this for me? And a disclaimer, just because there's a recipe online does not mean that it's a good formulation. Yeah, which is a great point as well. So, uh, but this one came in and it was interesting and it was like an interesting purpose, right? That this person, but yeah, it was, uh, you know, the process of having somebody explain to you what a muffin mist was, it was certainly not something that I had ever anticipated working on. I love (laughs) I loved how open she was, though. It was, no, it was great. Like, that was, was what fueled our product development was being able to have open conversations because, look, our bodies have unique spaces and places that we're not very open about. And so if you we're going to be able to take care of our body completely, we need to be comfortable talking about these things, and especially in a setting where you're getting the products that you're going to need for doing this. And yeah. so I still remember that was the, the most challenging request, and it was because I was like, I have no experience. In this place, and their pH, I was like, I, I, you, some places you can iterate, right? As soap, you could switch a few oils around in a soap, try something new. This was one of those requests that we said, okay, we have to be exceptionally particular about what we're going to do, simply because of the area of the body where it was going to be introduced. Yeah. Uh, in order to create kind of like an aromatic spray for that area of the body, and so it was, uh, it was challenging, but again, it forced us to look at the quality and the ratios in our formulations in a new way because it forced us to pay attention to, you know, pH in and around mucous membranes and, and again, expanded the knowledge, right? Mm. So every request 
helped and and furthered the knowledge. These ones just will always stand out as being some of the early ones that just kind of caught us off guard and made it fun. And we are really thankful for them too. Absolutely we are. So thank you guys for joining us on Two Feet from the Soapbox. That wraps up episode eight. Join us next week and just a big thank you for taking part in this leg of our journey. We would like to hear from the quiet, thoughtful voices out there, as well as the loud and boisterous ones. Regardless of your style, please be mindful of others, and we will respond to all of your comments and questions. You can always find a link to our podcast in the footer of our website, bubblesandbombs.ca. On whichever platform you're on today, be sure to click follow to catch each new episode as it is released. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to leave a review and help us reach and serve more people learning to love their sensitivities. Take good care and be well. Take care.